0: bibles guys let's open up our bibles to luke chapter 9. you know i know i've said this before and i'll say it again but when you open up the bible you never know what you're gonna get you don't know because god is incredible but sometimes he can be dangerous sometimes we ask god lord lead me god's like are you sure god i want to know the truth are you ready you know they say people always ask for truth until they see how it's served At the end of the day, guys, how willing are you for God to speak the truth to you in love? Sometimes people criticize, you know, disciples are like, "Well, I don't like those people. They're so judgmental. It's like, hey, sis, or hey, bro, we just showed you the word of God. At the end of the day, for so many people, their issue isn't that they weren't spoken to in love or in gentleness. The truth was that they simply didn't want to hear the facts, the reality, the truth of their life. Do we want to hear the truth of God this morning, fam? Is that really what we want to hear? Amen, Amen, bro. I'm ready, bro. If you think you're ready, Nero, then open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. We're going to be reading a story right now about three individuals who thought they were ready. Luke chapter
1: 9, verse 23. Come on. Come on, Kevin. Come on, bro.
0: in the face, bro. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. Oh, okay. Verse 57. Jesus says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Isn't that incredible? She's like, awesome. I have a follower. He's willing to go with me everywhere. Is that what Jesus does? <laughs> Jesus replied, foxes have dens. And birds have nests, (laughs) but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Mm. What does he mean? See, this world, we try to make ourselves comfortable. Jesus is like, I'm uncomfortable my whole life because my home's up in heaven. Jesus, I will go anywhere for you. Jesus says, well, I have nowhere to call home. Are you sure you will go anywhere for me? Verse 59. He said to another man, follow me. But that man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my dad. Mm. Jesus said to him, let the dead Mm. bury their own dead, But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Come on, girl. How rude. You (laughs) know, if I were to come up to somebody who's never read the Bible before, and they would hear me tell that to them, they would be so offended until they hear that Jesus was the one Who said that? Mm. Mm. Are you ready to hear the truth? Mm. Let the dead bury their own dead. Hey, the dead aren't going anywhere that's already not settled. They're already going somewhere completely outside of our control. Mm. But are you more concerned with the dead than you are with the living? Wow. Wow. You know, so often, this doesn't, it it makes sense. I don't want to lack compassion here, but so many people begin to question God when people die. Yep. Everybody dies. But whether or not somebody's going to heaven is a completely different question altogether. Mm -hmm. And we can become so distraught in our life that God has given us because people die. Mm
1: -hmm. When in
0: reality, Jesus says to us, go proclaim the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are you consumed with proclaiming God's kingdom Mm -hmm. while you're breathing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Verse 61, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but... You know, they always say that the 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 I will do the the, the yes but statements. Yeah. The yes but, you guys know what yes but means? Mm-hmm. It means no. <laughs> ah. That's what it means. Yes, Lord, I'll do it, but the Lord's like, "I have my answer." Yeah. The answer is no. Mm. Yes, Lord, I want to be a disciple, but my boyfriend. Mm. Yes, Lord, I want to be a disciple, but my career. Mm. Yes, Lord, I'll go to church, but work." God's like, "Your answer mm. is no." Mm. Uh, if you have a but at the end of your statements, It's the wrong end to your statement. If you guys got me here, come on, come Come on! on, Jesus said, "No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God." I think of no one other than Lot's wife.
1: Mm.
0: (laughs) That when Lot, when the angels came to Lot and his family, the only people that the angels could find who took God seriously were four individuals: Lot, his wife and their two daughters. Yeah. The Bible says that as Lot and his family were fleeing from Sodom and Gomorrah, she looked back. Why would she look back? Because she wanted one last look at her sin. Wow. Mm. Oh man, if I could just got one, I, I, I'm gonna miss, I know I'm gonna be saved, but sure am I gonna miss my sin. And God says, you are not fit for eternal life. Wow. A pillar, Ooh. a bitter pillar of salt no one who looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of god you know guys as a church we take statements like this from jesus very seriously just as seriously as the statement that says god so loved the world Mm. and i love the fact that that was shared earlier this morning Uh, i think it was a gifted who shared that it's very true but not more true than this passage right here See, as a church, we take seriously the whole Bible. I like to oftentimes tell people that we take God seriously so we don't really have to take the rest of life seriously because <laughs> God's got everything else in control. But in case you don't know, as a church, we are part of a, of a, group, of church, uh, a group of churches, a movement of churches. And as a church, we identify ourselves as the sold-out discipling movement of churches. Now, just to be clear, we do not believe for a second that we are... Uh, as disciples we don't believe that we are the only church mm-hmm. come on. but we do believe that as a church we are only disciples yeah. come on. see to be a member of this church it's easy you just become a disciple yeah. yeah you just repent and get baptized you make jesus lord over all of your life come on there's not a single member of this church who's not a full-blown sold-out fire-breathing disciple of Christ yeah Christ. that's true and we believe that in jesus's church that's the way it's always been. Mm-hmm. This morning, it's a very very simple lesson about being sold out, about discipling and about being part of God's movement of churches. Mm-hmm. The title of today's lesson is simply Sold Out Discipling Movement. Mm-hmm. Sold Out Discipling mm-hmm. Movement. And we're not going to be talking about our movement. We're not going to be talking about our church. Let's go. We're going to be talking about God's movement. Come oh, mm-hmm. on. We're going to talk about God's church. What does the Bible say? About being sold out. What does the Bible say about discipling? And what does the Bible say about moving, going, evangelizing the world in this generation? So today's lesson is going to be uh, somewhat, maybe, perhaps, short. I got three quick points for us, and it's all in the title. Point number one: sold out. Yeah. Point number two: discipling. Whoa. And point number three: you probably guessed it: moving. No. Oh. Hey, here we go. On, Let's turn our Bibles. To Mark chapter 10. Let's go, Kevin. Sold out. What does the word sold out mean? Check it out. Mark chapter 10. Come Kevin. Come on, Kevin. You guys with me this morning? guys. Yeah, okay. You got it, bro. Of course. See, sometimes we think that we can set the terms of our salvation with God. And we fail to realize that God set the terms for our salvation 2,000 years ago on the cross. So Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 26, just to give a little bit of background here. Some of us may remember this story as the story and the encounter with Jesus of the rich young ruler. This guy comes to Jesus and he asks a very religious question. Basically, how do I get to heaven? (laughs) How do I get to heaven? And he says, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. And Jesus says, you lack one thing. You're not following me. (laughs) You're not my disciple. And to become my disciple, you have to sell all that you have. Give up your own life and come follow me. And that man was doing good all the way up to that point. And the Bible says that he left leaving sad because he had great wealth. And so the disciples looking at this whole thing, they're like, oh my gosh, this is intense. Jesus says in verse 24, the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier. For a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the mm-hmm. kingdom of God. You now it's funny how people try to, like, interpret this passage. They're like, well, you know, the eye of a needle was actually a little narrow corridor in Jerusalem. It's like, whoa, 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 Jesus, what he meant? It was like the eye of a needle. It wasn't like the eye of a needle. It was more like, you know, a big tunnel. It's like, no, he meant the eye of a needle. And he meant a camel. His point was it is impossible for people to get into heaven apart from Jesus Christ mm. Jesus uh, the disciples were even more amazed and they said who then can be saved Jesus said with man this is impossible mm. but not with God all things are possible all things are possible all things are possible with God
1: mm.
0: even getting to heaven mm. and I can relate to the disciples here a lot after hearing this statement, you know, you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you've given up everything, you're following Jesus, and then you have this bombshell statement thrown at your face. <laughs> guys, <laughs> it's literally impossible for you guys to get to heaven. They're like, well, then who can be saved? We're, we're toast. What are we doing with our life? And I can almost, like, sense that Jesus, like, felt the trembling in their hearts. He's like, guys, 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 don't worry. <laughs> it is impossible. And yet God is the God of the impossible. Mm. I got your back. Ooh, there you go. And we see here, Peter says, we have left everything to follow you. You know, I looked up this word right here, everything in the Greek, and do you know what this word everything means in the Greek?
1: (laughs) Everything.
0: It's very sophisticated. It means everything. (laughs) You know, one of the greatest theological things I've ever learned in my entire life is that everything to Jesus means everything.
1: Yep. Mm -hmm. Everything
0: means everything. I'll never forget one time I was at a, a, a singles Bible talk, actually, and, and there was uh, one of the, the the visitors who was there that day. Uh, we did a Bible discussion about basically obeying Jesus. If you're not obeying Jesus, then you're not actually right with God. Woo. And at the end of this discussion, this visitor came up and said, Hey, Kevin, thank you so much for the discussion. I was deeply impacted. But I want to ask you a question that's really been confusing me for a long time. But yeah, what's your question? And she was like, when you said obey Jesus, what does that mean? And I looked at her. I'm like, it means obey Jesus Whatever Jesus says Do it and she was so confused by that statement because in her mind. I realized what she meant What does it mean to me? To obey Jesus it's like you got it all wrong. What did it mean to Jesus to obey Jesus and so often we try to reinterpret the scriptures to match our life When in reality, God wants us to switch up our life Mm -hmm. to match the scriptures. See, we see here again, Jesus says, uh, Peter said, we've left everything to follow you. Jesus says in verse 29, truly I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Mm. These disciples were sold out. Mm. Mm. You know, sometimes when people come to the scriptures and they look at Jesus, they're like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can live my life to the standard of the apostles. And I tell them, of course, God doesn't want you to live to the standard of the apostles. That's ridiculous. God wants you to live to the standard of Jesus. Mm. Mm. Because even the apostles away.
1: Even the apostles
0: were human. Even the apostles were sinners. Mm -hmm. Jesus wants us to be fully committed and fully sold out. You guys, the word sold out isn't found in the scriptures, Mm. but its synonym is. See, the biblical word that means sold out is simply wholehearted. Amen. Wholehearted. We are wholehearted disciples. Come Come on, bro. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter six. Come on. As I was looking this up, what does it mean to be wholehearted? You know, Deuteronomy has the phrase with all your heart found in this book more than any other book in the entire Bible. Literally, you look it up, you know, look up the phrase, all your heart, wholehearted, like that, that, that idea, that phrase. It is found in the book of Deuteronomy more than anywhere else in the scriptures. And I started thinking, why is that the case? And then it hit me like a brick in the face. Deuteronomy was basically Moses's last sermon to the surviving generation of Israelites after 40 years of wandering the wilderness right uh, right before they enter the promised land Mm. and the reason why he spent like 30 or 42 chapters it was like a long chunk of scriptures I know that sometimes my sermons can be long but I'm not preaching 42 chapters (laughs) Moses literally preaches for like 42 chapters about being wholehearted because the previous generation of Israelites died in the dry desert due to lack of being wholehearted. Mm. They were led out of Egypt. I mean, no generation has ever seen miracles like that generation. I mean, in COVID, we're all freaking out, but I mean, Truth be told, like, only maybe three of four things in those plagues have happened to us. Mm. They saw, like, ten plagues in a matter of, like, 30 days. Like, what the heck is going on with the weather, guys? They saw so much. They saw, like, the Red Sea just parted. They saw chickens flying through the desert, you know? They had, like, locusts out of the air. They had manna on the ground cooked by God's angels. Like, incredible miracles. <laughs> and they still weren't wholehearted. Wow. You know, at the end of the day, even miracles won't make people wholehearted. Ooh. Ooh. Obedience will. Wow. See, when we look at Deuteronomy here, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm going to talk about being wholehearted here for a second. Deuteronomy 6 verse 1. These are the commands. Moses is talking to the Israelites, to those who were born um, in the desert. Their parents all died due to the sin of unwholeheartedness. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing in the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. See, God wants us to enjoy this life, but he wants us to enjoy the afterlife too. Hear Israel, verse 3, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. Just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you Hear, O Israel, listen, the God, the Lord, your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord, your God with all your what? Heart. Wholehearted and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your what? hearts Hearts. Hearts. on your mind on your books Mm. Mm. on your hearts impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates i want you guys to be thinking Talking, walking, and believing the scriptures at all times. Mm -hmm. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Mm -hmm. You know what's sad? Is that the book of Deuteronomy means second telling or second law or literally repetition. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Moses, if if you read the scriptures, Deuteronomy is very similar to Numbers and Leviticus. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, is because the people who lived Leviticus, the people who lived Exodus, people who lived Numbers didn't actually believe what they saw. Mm. And literally, if you think about it, the first movement of God, God's first Old Testament church that he delivered from the Egyptians fell away. And what the book of Deuteronomy is, it's a book of revival. It's a book of repentance. It's a book of God calling his people back to be wholehearted again. Mm. Mm. And I think right now as a church, this is so timely. You know, what's incredible is that when each and every one of us got baptized into Jesus Christ, there's no one that we baptize. At least there's no one I've ever baptized that hasn't been sold out as a disciple. And we always say, hey, before you get baptized, you need to count the cost. But then after you get baptized, you stop counting the cost. Mm -hmm. Do you know what ends up happening? You pay the cost. Mm -hmm. Now you're paying for it. You're actually doing the very thing that you were planning to do before you got baptized. And I know for a lot of us, sometimes I'll look around this room and I wonder how wholehearted we still are. Mm.
1: Come on, bro.
0: Do you need to be told again to go back to your first love?
1: Mm.
0: Are you as fired up and idyllic about Jesus as you were the day you got baptized? Mm. Or are you gonna be like the Israelites who died due to faithlessness, wandering the wilderness? Mm. Mm. You know, I believe that the saying is true. Do you know how, many de- how long it took God to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt? How long did it take God to take the Israelites out of Egypt? One day. One day. day. But how long did it take God to bring Egypt out of the hearts of the Israelites? Forty years. Forty years. Guys, becoming part of God's kingdom is the easy part. But working on the sin and the character issues and the shortcomings in your life to stay in the kingdom—that's the hard part. Mm -hmm. See, becoming wholehearted, believe it or not, is the easy part. Staying wholehearted. (laughs) That's the hard part. You know, when I got married to Brittany on the day of my wedding, I know I talk about this a lot because it just happened. Don't stop. It was pretty Don't awesome. Stop. Don't stop. The day of my wedding was probably one of the greatest days of my life besides the day of my baptism. Amen. That was awesome. Everybody loves their wedding day. But then after the wedding day, a couple of weeks go by, and then there's the first fight. A couple of months go by, I don't even recognize her anymore. It's like, who are you? You know? It's funny. Everybody wants to get married, but so very few people know how to stay married. it's the same way with God. You know, this idea of falling falling in love with your significant other. So the fact that we have to fall in love again means we've fallen out of love. I wanna ask you, are you sold out for Jesus more than you were the day you got baptized? This question, wow, bro. Guys, I think we need to really revisit the attitude and the heart we have toward our commitment to God. I absolutely love what Gifted shared today for well,
1: contribution. Come on, uh, Gifted. Come on, Gifted. What did he say
0: is like you can? you said something in the very, very beginning and like hit me in the face, It was like a one-two punch. It's like you, you, can, you can give without loving but you cannot love without giving. Mm. No, you can show up to Bible talk and not be in love with Jesus. You can read your Bible and not be in love with Jesus. You can even share your faith. I've done it before, a lot unfortunately. You can share your faith and not be in love with Jesus. And yet you can't be in love with Jesus and not share your faith.
1: Mm-hmm. There's no
0: way that someone's in love with Jesus and not reading their Bible. Ooh, there's no way that somebody's in love with Jesus and consistently missing Bible talks. Yeah. There's no way that someone's in love with Jesus and is okay with doing the bare minimum <laughs> in the kingdom of God. I want to ask you two questions right now. How's your commitment going? Mm. How is it going showing up to Bible talk? How is it going having your quiet times? Mm-hmm. Have you been missing quiet times? Talk about it, bro. I don't want to correct us on missing quiet times. I want to correct our heart that we're okay with missing quiet times. Whoa. How's it going sharing your faith every day? Whoa. Last time I checked, Jesus said, carry your cross daily, <laughs> which means in the Greek, every single day. Come on, come on. <laughs> it's very simple. You know, guys, I, I want to share something that actually uh, our brother Kip shared. He shared this. He says, I do believe too often that many of us have focused on discipling behaviors but not on discipling the heart and character. For example, we have challenged people to share their faith and neglected to challenge them on their love for God, courage, and love for the lost. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, today, I don't wanna challenge us on our external conduct. I wanna challenge us simply on our heart. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: See, being sold out isn't an action. It's a mentality. It's an attitude. It's a mindset. It's a commitment. Mm-hmm. You know, as disciples, when we grow, we shouldn't just grow in the level of skills that we have. We shouldn't just be able to share our faith better or or, or glean newer teachings from the Bible. Come on. Believe it or not, as disciples, we should grow even in the level of commitment that we exhibit.
1: Mm.
0: Are you more committed today than you've ever been your entire life?
1: Mm.
0: Let's go to Revelation chapter two. Come, Come on, bro. bro. Oh. Being sold out. <laughs> being sold out being wholehearted or being sold out is all over the scriptures revelation chapter two
1: come on bro bro. i want to
0: give us a call today to all be once again sold out revelation chapter two starting in verse one many of us will most likely be familiar with this passage to the angel of the church in Ephesus, I write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. Now that is the Toronto church right there. Yeah. Amen. Our deeds, our hard work, our perseverance. There's been so much craziness going on in Toronto, yeah. and yet we persevered. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, sin, people... Uh, uh like ob- uh, uh obviously in the open flagrantly living in sin yeah. we don't tolerate that
1: nope.
0: that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false Ooh. you know I, I love uh, uh one of the things I appreciate about our sister amber
1: Come, Come on,
0: It's that she has a fiery, godly indignation toward false doctrine. Yes, yeah, she Ooh. does. Absolutely wrong, sister. And what I love is is when she like meets somebody on campus who's like super religious, but also super like falsely religious, just spitting all sorts of false doctrine. Mm-hmm. I love seeing her face, just like compose yourself, compose yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and in her mind. In her mind, she's like, gentleness, love. Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. But in her heart, she's like, God, I need help. But that's who we are. We're people who love the lost. And we're people who love those who don't even realize they're lost. But at the same time, we understand that those who call themselves apostles, but are not, and by God's grace, because of our convictions in the scriptures, we're able to prove them we are able to find them to show them to be false Mm. again this is us Mm. you have persevered verse three and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary Mm. we crank it out Mm. yet i hold this against you you have forsaken the love you had at
1: first
0: look at all these incredible things that god compliments this church on and yet what is his response verse five Consider how far you have fallen. Repent. Mm. Do the things you've done at first. Mm. Guys, have you forsaken the degree of love you had the day you got baptized? Mm. Are you even more sold out than you were on that day? Or have you lost the love? Are you going through the motions? Are you doing the bare minimum? Are you doing all of the actions, but your heart is no longer where it used to be? I'd like to kindly ask you to repent and to go back to your first love because God is awesome. He hasn't changed. If anything's changed, we have changed. Amen, Amen, guys? Amen. Amen. You know, I believe that all that God wants from our life is all we got. You know, far too often we focus on being sold out in our actions, but then fail to be sold out in our heart. See, God isn't fooled by the external appearance of things. Come on. God looks at your heart. Mm-hmm. And it's scary because nobody else can see your heart other than you mm-hmm. and God.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Where's your heart at this morning? Mm-hmm. Are you sold out in your heart? You guys with me? Mm-hmm. Come on, bro.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Point number two: Discipline. <laughs> Come on, bro. Discipline. Man, how do I get sold out again? Come on. How do I give all of my heart? Guys, I, I don't want. To you to get me the wrong way. We are sharing our faith. It's awesome. We're, we're, we're active. We're going after it. The external appearance of things, guys, we're cranking. But I sense that our hearts are not in the place we think it is. Come on, come on. We need to be sold out. Not in our actions. Our actions are amazing. But our hearts is a different story. Yep. How do we get our heart back to that same place? Discipling. Mm-hmm. It's easy. Mm-hmm. Psalm 141. I read this the other day for my quiet time. And uh, it's a Psalm of David, and it struck me uh, uh, very uh, sharply, and I was so encouraged because this reminds me that the great men and women in the Old Testament were also men and women who cherished discipline. Psalm 141. Come on, bro. You guys with me? Yeah. Come on, bro. Verse 3. David says, Lord, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Why? Because I say a lot of dumb things. Amen. Help me, God. I I have, personally for me, I have the foot and mouth syndrome. Me and Nero both have the foot and mouth syndrome. Which is like, man, my mouth at times gets so big that somebody just needs to stick their shoe in my mouth to just get (laughs) me to stop talking. Yes, please. But I'm grateful because apparently David could relate. Come on. (laughs) Please, God, keep watch over the door of my lips. (laughs) Do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil. I love that. David's honesty. He wasn't trying to be over pious. He wasn't trying to be overly religious. He wasn't trying to be falsely spiritual. Sometimes you think, well, this is David's quiet time. I'm like, last time I checked, David published his quiet times. (laughs) He was being honest to God, and then he was honest to God in front of the whole world to see. Like David wanted everybody to know, hey guys, don't put your faith in me. Put your faith in God, because I have a problem. I have a big mouth. I struggle, but at least I admit it. I love it. Do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil, so that I take part in wicked deeds. Along with those who are evildoers, do not let me eat their delicacies. But here's the disciple. Verse 5. How does David help himself in a way to keep him from eating the delicacies of the wicked? Simple. Let a righteous man strike me. That is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. That is oil on my head. Mm. My head will not refuse it, for my prayer will still be against the deeds of evildoers. Oh. Wow. Wow. wow.
1: It's
0: like, bro, I feel like your disciple is harsh. Do you take it as a kindness? <laughs> bro, I feel like, I, I feel like, I know you told me the truth here, but bro, if you would have just said it this way. Oh. It's like, the last time I checked, that's not what God's man David said. Oh. <laughs> And even if you need to chew the fish and spit out the bones, that's a kindness. How do you personally pursue and respond to discipling in your life? Every great man and woman of God received discipling in their life. Any of you guys who knows me understands that I take a lot of discipling, even loving discipling, from my wife. There are things that Brittany sees that nobody else sees. Come on, and bro. I could be chauvinist. I-, I could be prideful. And I could shut her down and she would submit. But I remember before we got married, I told Brittany this. It's actually a quote from uh, uh, the, one of the last lines from the movie The King. I don't know, Brandon, if you saw the movie The King. Come on, it's Brandon. a great movie.
1: Anyways, mm-hmm. so basically
0: this king, this guy at the very, very end of the movie, marries this, this woman, this French woman. He's, a, he's an English king. He marries this French woman. And he tells her, whatever you do, Always speak the truth clearly to me and I told Brittany before we got married babe whatever happens always tell me the truth when it hurts even when it hurts or gets me in trouble just tell me the truth and Brittany's always been very very gentle about it but sometimes she'll say things and I'm just like no (laughs) you're right but I don't want to admit it How do you respond to discipline? Come on, bro. You know, there's been times I love Evan and Kelly. They are two incredible individuals. In every way, I want to be like them. Evan has everything I want. (laughs) He's got an incredible marriage, he's got an incredible relationship with his children, he leads an incredible ministry. Amen. That's this church. And I'm like, man, I look up to this guy. Come on. And as much as I love Evan, the truth is sometimes he'll say things that are right, but I don't like. And I'm like, dang it, that's true. But I just want to fight him on it. Mm -hmm. And yet these are the moments that matter the most. Mm -hmm. Do I refer to a righteous man striking me as a kindness? Mm -hmm. Do you respond to a righteous sister, a righteous brother striking you as a kindness? How do you personally respond to Mm discipline? Guys, let's check out another scripture. Let's go Come to on. Proverbs chapter 18. Come you guys on, Come on a second. The other. way that we can help ourselves become sold out again um. is by opening ourselves up to discipling. Come yeah, on, bro.
1: I'm gonna
0: read a scripture that some of us may not be familiar with, but is actually one of my favorite scriptures when it comes to the value of discipling relationships. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 17. What's your heart toward discipling today? Check this out. This might seem a little strange. But there's a point to it. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 17. In a lawsuit, again, Proverbs 18, 17. In a lawsuit, the first to speak seems right until someone comes forward and cross-examines them. Interesting. You know whenever like you've heard a story from somebody who has like a little tiff with somebody else? Like, bro, you wouldn't believe, sis, you would not believe it. This person did this, and then they did this, and then they did this, and you're like, man, that person's in sin. Like, we need to cut him out of the church. We need to like put an X on him. I'm like, what is going on with that sister? And then all of a sudden that person comes up to you, he's like, bro, I don't know what happened, but she did this, and she did this, and she did this. And you're like, huh? this person seems right. A- a- and this person seems right. <laughs> Who's really right? And the Bible says is whenever you listen to an argument, The first person in the argument to present their case always seems right. Which is why you always need to listen to the other side of an argument. You know, argument always has two sides to it. Mm -hmm. Now, what does this have to do with discipling? Everything. It's because without discipling, you're the only argument. You're the only one in your own court case. And if you're the only one completely unexamined, you will think you're right 100% Mm -hmm. of the time. Which is why in the book of Judges, the Bible specifically says over and over and over again, is that the people were wicked and did what seemed right in their own eyes. What's the value of discipling? Discipling is the person who comes and cross-examines you. Mm
1: -hmm. It's
0: because you may think you're right. You may feel that you're right, even sincerely, until somebody comes and disciples you on it. Mm -hmm. Guys, we need to have these discipling relationships in our life, or we will literally go to hell thinking that we're going to heaven.
1: Wow. We
0: will literally think we're totally right with God and be the exact opposite of that. You know, I know when I study the Bible with people, the number one most important character attribute that somebody can have to become a disciple is humility. Yeah. That's it, just be humble, be willing to be wrong. And if you're wrong, just simply admit that you're wrong. we don't hit people with rocks, we don't bash them with the Bible, but there's no one that we can help if they're not willing to be humble about are you humble in your discipling relationships? Let's go to Romans chapter 15. Come on, Come on kid. How do you respond to and pursue discipling? On, I want to read one last scripture before I give us a challenge from this. Come on, Romans man. chapter 15, Keep going, verse 14. Bro. I love how Paul disciples people. Romans yeah. 15, verse 14. I myself, that's Paul, am convinced my brothers and sisters, that's us, that you yourselves are full of goodness, praise God, filled with goodness, incompetent to instruct one another. Awesome. Guys, we're good to go. We don't need any more discipling in our life. This is the last letter that Paul will write for us. Awesome, because we're good to go. We're full of goodness. We're full of knowledge. And we're completely now competent to instruct ourselves. Awesome. But is that where Paul stops? No. Nope. So despite the fact that Paul believes that and knows that and says that, he says, yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again. See, Paul, despite the fact that he understood that the disciples had good intentions, they still needed discipling. Mm -hmm. See, as disciples, we are children of God, but even the church here in Rome still needed discipling. Are you instructing your brothers and sisters? Are you open to be instructed yourself? What is discipling? Discipling plainly is simply when you see something, you say something, Mm -hmm. whether you're a brother or a sister. A mm-hmm. sister talking to a brother, brother talking to a sister, brother talking to a brother, sister talking to a sister. <laughs> when you see something, you say something, that's discipling. It doesn't need to be formal, it just needs to be done. Something that I want to put before us, again, we are the sold out discipling movement, and at times it looks like we're not too sold out on discipling. Ooh. We're missing D times left and right. Mm-hmm. Call us out, bro. Are you having weekly D times with the person in your life who's your discipler? Mm-hmm. And if you're not, how come? I'd like to challenge us here right now, as a group, to schedule weekly D times with each other. Come on, bro. See the difference between discipling and a D time is that discipling happens all throughout the week. Again, when a brother or sister sees something, they say something. But a D time is like a deep safety in football. Anybody here ever play football? Nobody's ever played football. football. Dear Lord. Play football? Watch. You. The deep safety is literally <laughs> yes. like. Right. It's, it's the defensive line. So when somebody's coming at you, the deep safety is like there's like typically like one dude at the very, 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 very back of the field. Like they're like way back there. And the point of the deep safety is they hardly ever do something unless they're the only person left. And so when the deep safety is engaged, it's because nobody else is available. And the reason why the deep safety is there is in case the opposing team gets through all of their defenses. That's D time. That's what D time is. And sometimes we can have a false perception of D time is that D time is where all the discipling happens. No, 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 no. That's like having your defensive line all the way at the goal line. It's <laughs> like the enemy is going to make a lot of yardage. They're going to come, uh, come and attack you really hard if the only discipling you get is during D time.
1: Come
0: on. Likewise, if you don't have a D time, th- then the enemy, the opposing team, can get through all of your defenses and then you're gone. You're a follower. So we need to have discipling in our lives throughout the week, but we need to be sure that we have weekly d times Mm -hmm. for those of us who are discipling people i'd like to ask us i'd like to challenge us one of the first things you should do every week is schedule your d times see scheduling a d time putting that in your calendar requires commitment it lets people know that this is simply important how you treat d time is how other people are going to treat d time now maybe you don't disciple somebody maybe you're being discipled by somebody Schedule a D time. Talk to your disciple every single week. Hey bro, hey sis, when's our D time this week? Please don't count on just having D time somewhere in the week when we have time. Because most of the time, that doesn't end up actually happening. Mm-hmm. You just don't have D time. Mm-hmm. Let's put deep safeties in our life. Let's be let's be sold out about discipling in our life. Yep. I'd like to ask every one of us to schedule our D times every single week ahead of time. Can we do that guys? Yeah. Come Come up, up. Here, here. Let's go after discipling. Now I believe that Jesus calls everyone to be a disciple. I believe that Jesus calls everyone to make disciples. And I believe that Jesus calls everyone to be disciples. Let's go to Matthew 28. Look at this. Matthew 28. In this passage, you're going to see those three dynamics. Jesus calling everyone to be a disciple. Jesus calling everyone to make disciples. And Jesus calling everyone to be disciples. Matthew chapter 28. The Bible says this. In verse 18, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples, disciples of all nations. See, there it is. Jesus wants everyone on earth to be a disciple. But who is he telling this to? Disciples. His disciples. He continues on, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Jesus say, I want everyone to obey this. I want everyone, not just the priests, not just the bishops, not just the paid staff, not just the clergy. I want everyone who calls themselves a disciple mm. to go and make disciples. Mm. See, Jesus wants everyone to be a disciple. And Jesus wants everyone to make disciples. But look at this phrase right here. Teaching them to obey. Whose job is it to teach people to obey God's scriptures? Disciples. disciples. <laughs> disciples. What do you call that? It's called discipling. <laughs> you know, it's funny when when Nero got baptized, that was the easy part. Discipling Nero, that was the hard part. Nero, Jones. When Tim got baptized, that was the easy part. Oh, exposed. Discipling Tim, that was the hard part. Come on, Cal you. You know the saying is true. Making babies what? may be enjoyable. <laughs> Being a father. Oh, it's hard. Hey, oh, how yeah. many dads we have in this world? A girl. And how many absent fathers there are? Yeah. This is the case spiritually. Everybody loves to be in the limelight. Oh, this person came to Jesus. It's so awesome. But then how few people are still excited a year from then discipling that same person? Mm. Too often we get excited when somebody comes to Jesus. And we present them as if they're the most cranking individual on earth. This guy's so awesome. He's so open. They're fired up to become a disciple. They get baptized. And then a week later, bro, this guy's tanking. <laughs> I don't know what happened to this dude. It's because everybody wants to make a disciple. But so few people actually want to disciple others. You guys with me? Yeah. We need to be sold out about discipling. Yeah. Point number three.
1: Come a on movement a Come movement!
0: Let's go to Isaiah chapter six. Come on, Come on Isaiah. Isaiah chapter six. Yay. Sold out, discipling, and movement. Come on bro. Keep going, bro. We just read a passage that Jesus says, go and make disciples. That's the movement. Go. Go. Isaiah okay. chapter 6. Verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted seated on a throne. The tray of his robe filled the temple. He was awesome. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two wings, they covered their feet. With two wings, they were flying. They were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy. Is the Lord Almighty the whole earth is full of his glory at the sound of their voices the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke Ooh. woe to me woe means cursed I am cursed for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live amongst a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King the Lord Almighty Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongues from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. This brother becomes saved. He becomes a disciple. Immediately after Isaiah becomes an Old Testament disciple, what happens? Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. Whoa. How long did it take Isaiah to be sent by the Lord? Somewhere between real quick and instantaneous.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know what's amazing? Is that God's church is a movement, Come on. meaning that it moves. <laughs> it shouldn't be next year. Where it is today, yeah. mm. and today it shouldn't be where it was a year ago. Mm. Yeah. And yet, sometimes as disciples, we don't have the heart of Isaiah here, who says, "Here am I, send me." Yeah. Sometimes we see this plant like God, wow, planting a church in Ottawa—that's incredible. Yeah. Planting a church in Calgary—that's amazing. Ooh. Planting a church in BC—that's unbelievable. Let's go. Here they are, send them. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, God. It's like no, here you are, send you. Here am I, send me. We're a movement of God, and too often our plans as disciples can include us simply being comfortable with where we're at. See, guys, there's a there's a point in time where special missions will stop, and you'll be the mission. <laughs> it's like you'll stop giving missions, and you're just gonna go. Are you ready for that? Or are you willing to simply let other Christians live your Christianity for you? Something I want to talk about is this idea of sharing as we go. You know, God's movement, God sent Isaiah to people he didn't like. Mm. It was his own people. (laughs) (laughs) God told Isaiah to talk about things he didn't like. Repentance, damnation, hell. And yet Isaiah had the heart to obey. And yet we, sometimes as disciples, don't have the heart to go share our faith at the grocery store. Mm. Come on. Guys, how will we ever reach the ends of the earth if we don't even want to cross the street?
1: Mm.
0: Share with our Uber driver. Share with the the people on the bus with us. Are you sharing right here? Because this is the heart that says, here I am. Send me. (laughs) We're a movement. We move. We go. We're not a community church. You know, growing up as a kid, as I was part of a community church. And their whole spiel was our, our sphere of influence, our jurisdiction. We're just going to serve the people of Huntington Beach, California. In a matter of like 10 years, they sent out one missionary. I'm like, this is not an evangelistic church. That was not a commissioned church. See, we are not a community church. We're a great commission church. Yes. yes. And we will take people from this community those who want to become disciples, and we will send them to the ends of the earth. Why? Right. Because a disciple says, "Here I am, send me."
1: Yeah.
0: I know that there's going to come a point in time when Tim goes back to Uganda, <gasps> and he's going to preach the word. There's going to come a point in time when Rich may go to Hong Kong, Yay! Yay! and he's going to preach the word. Come on. There's going to be a point in time where Adriana goes back to Belize. Yay! She's going to preach the word. That's right. There's <laughs> no going to go to Mexico. She she's going to preach the word. Or oh, America, America, America. How do you feel about being sent out to bring God's kingdom to the ends of the earth? Mm. We're a movement. That's what we do. Come on, Kevin. Check this out. In the Gospels, Jesus sends his disciples out many times. I have a, a few examples here. In Matthew chapter 10 verse 5, the Bible said, "These 12 Jesus sent out after instructing them." Mark chapter 6 verse 7, "Jesus summoned the 12 and began to send them out in pairs and gave them authority over the unclean spirits." In Matthew chapter 10 verse 16, again, the 12. Jesus says, "Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves." In Luke chapter 9, Jesus says, as he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God, they performed miracles. In Luke chapter ten, verses one. Now after this, the Lord appointed seventy others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place he was himself about to go. In John chapter thirteen, verse twenty. Truly, truly I say to you, he who receives me, uh, he who receives whomever I send, receives me. Amen. John twelve, uh, John seventeen, verse eighteen. As you sent me into the world, Lord, uh, Father, I also have sent them into the world. And then finally, John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus is talking to his disciples. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Amen. I pray that all of us here can have this heart. That wherever the Lord goes, I will go. Amen. Even if Jesus says, let the dead bury their dead. Mm -hmm. but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Even if foxes have holes and birds have nests, even if you have no place to lay your head, I will still go. Even if you can't kiss your mother and father goodbye, we won't turn our back from the plow. We will keep moving forward in proclaiming the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I pray that we can all have the heart to share everywhere that we go. Mm -hmm. Two things I want to mention, guys, is the Open the Windows campaign. Are you sold out in this campaign? Are you wholehearted in talking to God at least three times every day? Spending time specifically to go on your knees or to go with the prayer walk, to go with a brother or sister and to pray with God, and to pray to God, even with others.
1: Mm.
0: Are you able to pray, spend that time with God three times every day? Are you struggling to be wholehearted in that way? Mm-hmm. Also, I'd like to ask us as a movement, as a church, as God's people, to not just go sharing somewhere, mm-hmm. but to share as we go. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I know for me, I try to make it a point, every single time I set foot on a bus, I share with one person. Yeah, that's cool. I'll tell you how effective that is. That's like super effective. <laughs> it doesn't take a lot of effort. Let's share everywhere we go. When we go to the store to buy groceries, share with somebody in the store, shop and share. I know that Rich and TK and I, we did that earlier this week. We had to go, like, TK had to go buy some tomatoes and chicken to make some whatever soup he was making. Rich had to go buy some, I don't know, protein powder. his <laughs> muscles. I need to buy some chicken for the house or something like that. And so we set foot in there. We're like, all right, guys, we're going to do a little shop and share.
1: We're going to go
0: shop for food to fill our stomachs. We're also going to fill us, ourselves up spiritually and share with the lost people in this store. Mm-hmm. Let's share everywhere that we go because we're a movement of God. Guys, I pray that all of us here in this room, maybe you're not a part of this whole kingdom thing. Maybe you're not a disciple. I'd like to challenge you, invite you. Please check it out. Mm -hmm. Think about becoming a sold-out disciple. Mm -hmm. And for those of us here who are disciples, I'd like to remind us, like Paul reminded the church in Rome, to go back to our first love and to be about the sold-out discipling movement of God. I love you guys.